This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Hello, shameless moms. So happy to be here today. I've decided that coming to record or sitting down to record at my desk is like my happy place. It's my reward. It's where I want to go when my list of everything to do is way too long and way too overwhelming. All I think about is, oh, I just want to sit down and record podcasts. <laughs> so I think that means that I've found something that I might be falling in love with because I'm wanting to use it to get out of doing all the stuff that I'm not in love with. So um, yeah, I've been looking forward to sitting down to this all week. And this has been another, so I think we're on like week five of what the hell is going on with our life, um, just constant chaos and craziness. And add to that, um, we had some other, like add to the normal somewhat controlled chaos that was scheduled for this week. On top of that, we had some issues with the dog, the hashtag damn dog. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you got to see a visual. So if you go to the Shameless Mom Academy on Instagram, you can see the pretty gift the dog left me earlier this week. You'll know, I won't even have to tell you anything more than that. You'll know when you find the right picture. So this week, um, and then next week I'm in Austin for half the week, which is going to be a totally fun girls trip. I never get to do girls trips. Like I did one for my 40th birthday and was the first one I've done in forever. And now one of my really good girlfriends is turning 40. And so we're going for her 40th birthday. We're going to Austin where it's supposed to be like 90 degrees and thunderstorms the whole time. So yeah, we were careful to book a place with a really nice pool, which is great for 90 degrees and thunderstorms. So um, anyways, I'm looking forward to that, but that'll be like week six of not normal life. And for someone like me who thrives on normalcy and routine, I'm telling you like this is a struggle and my anxiety is 
potentially like aiming running towards an all-time high. Not really. I mean, I think like when I was trying to nurse Vinny and keep him alive, that was maybe more stressful than this. It was definitely more stressful than this. I don't feel super stressed out. I just feel like there are so many things that need to be done. And I, the list in my head is just like making me crazy. And this relates to today because we're going to be talking about meditation today. And we're going to be talking about, I've brought this up on multiple episodes, but I want to bring it up again because I'm going to talk a little more specifically about why I've been trying to use meditation, how I've failed miserably, but why I think there's value in it. And I think that's an important thing to share because I think that it's something that many of, that all women could benefit from. And it's not something that needs to be super invasive in your lifestyle to have a really positive impact. And I'm going to share with you what the impact for me has been. Um, and where I've not felt the impact because it's certainly like, I know some people are like, Oh, like I started meditating and just uh, my whole life, everything just slowed down and calmed down. And I'm just so Zen. And like, that has not been my experience, but I'll tell you my experience and we'll go from there. I think this is an important time for me to be trying to chill the F out because there is so much going on. And as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, we are doing some fact finding (laughs) related to IVF. And I figure if we're going to spend a million dollars, which is approximately what it costs, not literally, but it's close. It's like ridiculously expensive. So if we're going to spend all this money to potentially to do IVF, then I need to get my body in like the most Zen place ever to make sure it actually works. Because I'm pretty sure if I'm wound up like I am right now and I try to do IVF, that my body will not be okay with it. My body will just be like, screw you. You have way too much going on. And like this embryo is not implanting here because you can't even handle it, lady. So I feel like I kind of I like I have to do what I can to chill out a little bit over the next few months if we're going to pursue this. So I'll tell you a little bit more about the IVF fact finding mission that we're on because it's it's been kind of funny. Um, Oh, I should back up. Okay, so I should tell you. So we were gone last weekend for Memorial Day weekend, which was a great fun, great trip. We got went away with my um, some of my husband's family, and that was really nice. And we were on the ocean on the Washington coast and we had one day of sun, which on the Washington coast, if you get one day of sun out of four, actually we had one and a half days of sun. If you get one and a half out of four, it's like a huge win. And then we were at a place with an indoor pool. So Vinny was like obsessed with indoor pool. I was not so obsessed because it was so crazy loud because when it's raining out, one million children go to the indoor pool on vacation as it turns out. But anyways, that was a really nice trip. We were away for a few days. We came back, hit the ground running this week. Like I had a lot of things going on with my local gym, um, a lot of events coming up, which is all fun stuff, but requires some time and preparation on my part. And then, okay, this whole IVF thing, no one told me it's a part-time job, practically a full-time job. So there was a 24-hour period between Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday afternoon where I had to go to the University of Washington three times for three different appointments. And we are not even actively doing IVF right now. We are doing like preliminary, like let's just do some tests And why don't you come in for some information? And here's like, if you were going to do it, here's what a protocol might look like. These kinds of appointments, like just fact finding. We're not even to like the real thing. And I'm basically living at the University of Washington. So I had to go to these three appointments. And like one of them I thought was going to be 40 minutes. I was there for two hours. I had to come home. Okay, so this is where the dog story enters. So I'm at UW for what I thought was going to be 40 minutes, turns into two hours. I get out of UW and come running home because I'm supposed to get on this call on an interview for another podcast at three o'clock. So I leave UW at like 2.15 or something and I'm starving. Like I'm so hungry. I leave the appointment. I come running home. The dog in the meantime, um, the dog has been sick. So since we get back from our, our Memorial Day trip, the dog has been pooping all over the house, which 
this is what the dog does now. Like if anything is wrong, I feel like before we had a child, she was really good at like giving us signs if she wasn't feeling well. Now she doesn't give us any signs. She just like craps all over the place. So prior to heading out to my two hour appointment that I thought was only going to be 40 minutes, I didn't even think to like lock her in the kitchen on the hardwood floors because um, I just, it didn't enter my mind. I didn't think I was going to be gone that long. I didn't realize she was as sick as she was. So I come home from this appointment. I have, it's like, by the time I get home, I think it's like two thirty-five or something. I need to eat. I need to get ready for this interview. Maybe it was even two forty-five. I don't know. It was like, time was very tight. And I was like, I have to eat before I get on this interview because I will literally like not even be able to complete a sentence because I am like, I am the epitome of the hangry woman. And you, like, you can't mess with me when I'm hungry. And in addition to that, I can't have a conversation when I'm hungry. So I'm like, I can't do this interview when I can't even form a sentence because I'm so hungry. So I come racing through the back door. And the second I open the door, I'm like, oh my God, she pooped. Like I can smell it. I'm in the kitchen and my back door goes right into the kitchen. So I'm like, I'm in the kitchen. I'm like, oh my God, where did she poop? I don't have time for this. I go out into the living room. There's two piles of poop on the carpet. I'm like, oh, fantastic. And it's on this like area rug, which is nice because we can roll it up and take it to the cleaners. But the downside is that it's this really thick plush shag carpet that I thought would be like super cool and super hip to get. And that's always the one she she poops on. And when it's diarrhea and it's like liquid into shag, like I don't need to give you a better graphic, right? You get that it's nearly impossible to clean out. My husband literally took our little tiny gardening shovel and was trying to like shovel out little tiny bits of poop from between all the shag carpet that night. So it's just a freaking disaster. So I walk in, I see this poop there. I'm like, I don't even have time. Like I can't even deal with this poop. The poop is just gonna have to sit there because I have to get food in me and I can't eat it on this whole floor of the house because it smells so bad. So I like grab food from the fridge. I come down to the basement to my office. I'm eating food, trying to get everything set up for this interview so I can like have my headset ready and everything. And the dog comes into my office like right as I'm getting on the call. So I get on the call and I tell the woman on the call, I'm like, okay, I have to tell you, like I'm taking my last bite of food and then I'm ready. And she was really nice about it and everything. And I'm like, and my dog is right here. Like, I think she's going to be okay. But just an FYI, she's been pooping all over the house. So we're doing the interview and I, the dog is like pacing in my office and I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know she has to go to the bathroom, but the interview is only 30 minutes. I'm like, I think she can hold it together. She's already pooped upstairs twice in the last two hours. Like she should be good. Right. So then she starts whimpering and I'm like, oh my God, she's whimpering and hoping that this isn't coming through on the audio of the podcast. So we finally get done with the podcast. And I'm like, oh, we made it. And I, we get done with the recording and I'm like, okay, could you hear my dog whimpering? She's like, no, 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 we're good. We're good. I'm like, okay, great. So I get done and I walk out of my office and I'm like, oh my God, where is the smell coming from? And I go over around the corner in the basement. We have this little play area and the dogs had diarrhea all over the little foam mats. They're like puzzle pieces that form the alphabet and they're made of foam and they're kind of like the flooring in our play area. So there's diarrhea like splattered across like three of the letters. So I'm like, oh my God. So I immediately, I'm like, I'm not even going to try to scrub these clean. The H is like been annihilated. So our alphabet no longer has an H because I was like, I'm not scrubbing this clean. I'm throwing it away. So our alphabet is now 25 letters in the Dean household. And so then I clean that up and I go back to work. I forget about the piles upstairs. Like my husband comes home. I'm like, oh yeah. And there's also these two piles upstairs. I haven't even addressed on the carpet. So that's when he got out the little shovel and we was like shoveling them and everything. So just crazy. So the dog in the meantime, like we're trying to keep her in the kitchen. She starts pooping blood. So like, it just goes from bad to worse. We end up taking her to the vet. I get really worried thinking something's seriously wrong. Cause at first I was very impatient with the whole thing thinking like, oh, she's just gross. She got into something gross, like the damn dog, right? Like, oh, she just does things that makes me so annoyed. 
and take up my time that I don't have. And then I'm after a while, I'm like, oh my gosh, she might be really sick. This could be serious. And then I start feeling bad and like thinking about like, oh, she was our first baby. And remember when we went to go pick her up and she was so cute and she was scared of everything and she would just sit and cuddle with us. And so my husband takes her to the vet the next morning and the vet's like, no, she, she's fine. She just got into something gross. And so then I'm back to like being super annoyed with her and back to like, oh, the damn dog is just disgusting, which so that's where I leave the story is that like the damn dog is just disgusting. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process and their countertop purifiers which is what we have take no installation or plumbing and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer endocrine system disruption and liver toxicity which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special unique and important in terms of how they are able to filter water they also have water purifiers to fit every type of home so like the installation free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options they even have wi-fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options so i'm so excited about our new AquaTrue and here's the thing I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, it's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. So in the middle of dealing with the damn dog, I'm running back and forth to UW for all these appointments and fact-finding. 
and I go to this IVF meeting and I keep telling my husband with all these appointments, like when you have your first kid, I feel like with everything, at least for us, I was like, oh, like you should come and we can learn about everything together. And especially because of the infertility and everything, we wanted to like explore our options together with this. I'm like, we know what we're dealing with. You don't need to come. I got it. So all these appointments I'm going to by myself, I think that they don't even think I have a husband, which is like fine. Some women do motherhood on their own and like, God bless them. I could never do it. But we go to the, they asked me to come, they tell, I'm not asked, I'm told as a requirement of this process, I have to go to this IVF informational meeting and I show up and I tell my husband, I'm like, don't worry about it. I'll just go. So I go and I show up and it's three couples and myself and like the couples you can tell they're like all like holding hands. And it's like, also this is like the romantic time to like learn about IVF. And they're such like the hopeful parents to be. And of course, I'm sure for all of them, this has come from like a place of pain as well, because most people aren't pursuing IVF unless there's a significant issue that's like you've probably gone through through some emotional turmoil to get there, to learn like you can't conceive naturally and all this stuff. But I am like, I'm on a time limit here. Like I cannot be here for more than an hour. So let's just get this show going. So people are asking questions during the class and I'm just like shutting them down. Like they barely get the question out of their mouth. And before the nurse can answer, I like spit out the answer because I already know because I've been through so much fertility stuff between trying to get pregnant the first time and then starting to look into this whole IVF thing the second time. And so I'm sure, which, you know, the nurse I'm sure loved. I I know that generally speaking, medical professionals enjoy it when the lay person tries to do their job for them. So, but, and these couples were just all sweet. I'm sure they thought I was like this super anal lady that wanted to like have a baby by herself. And I'm sure they all felt very bad for my potential child because I was clearly like when the clock struck two o'clock that afternoon, I was like packing my bag. There was all these people with questions and I'm like packing my bag, making this big ruckus. Finally, the nurse who was answering questions excused me. She's like, actually, Sarah, you've actually we've already covered most of this with you. So you can go ahead and leave because I think I was being so disruptive to everyone else who like had a lot of heartfelt questions. And I was just very much like, tell me ABC, let's get out. And so, so that's how the fact finding is going to fill you in on that. Um, we still don't know what we're going to do. We're still overwhelmed by the whole thing because it costs a million dollars. We still don't even know if we want a second child, but we aren't saying no to this because yeah. So I kind of feel like by not saying no, maybe we're just like accidentally saying yes. I don't know. So I'll keep you posted. If you, if you're someone who has struggled with the decision to have a second child, please reach out to me and let me know how you figured that out. Or if you're someone who has uh, done IVF, I would love to know. I know it's it's pretty common now. Um, I don't know if it's just in Seattle, but I feel like I know so many people who have been lucky enough to have IVF as a resource. And I would love to know your stories. And I also have to say that we're doing IVF the cheap way. So there's a lot of fertility clinics around here that do IVF. That's It's way, way, I mean, it's all expensive no matter what, but we're doing it at the University of Washington, which is less expensive because it's not a facility that's just designed to profit off of infertility. And that is my view of fertility clinics, by the way. They are big businesses designed to profit off of infertility. So like I've been to Seattle Reproductive Medicine and there's also the other one around here is uh, Pacific Northwest Infertility, I think. Not saying they're not fabulous establishments. They do a great job. They make They allow people to create their own families and families that would not otherwise be able to have children. But this is like my soapbox on, on fertility. It's big business people. Like it is not about a doctor sitting, holding your hand and asking like, you know, how can, how can I be the best resource for you? This is about a very profitable agency making millions and millions and millions. Okay. Billions, I'm sure dollars in order to give people babies, which is a very valuable service. Yes. But it makes it so that like only very wealthy people can actually get pregnant using IVF. It's 
it's very elitist. And that, that's really bothersome to me in many ways, because I don't think only rich, rich people should be able to have access to IVF. Like I understand that, you know, there's, I know there's a lot of different schools of thought on that. Um, and I'm sure that I am not, I, you know, I know there's probably a lot of opinions that are different than mine, but I don't think that it should be so limited. And some states cover parts of IVF or all of IVF with their different insurance policies. They have like state mandated funding and programs for this. Washington is not one of them. There's only 11 states that do it. Washington's not one. So people have to pay a lot of money. It's really, really expensive. And I'm kind of not willing to play that game. So instead, I'm going to the cheap IVF clinic at the University of Washington, um, which has been great. And they've all been really nice and everything. But I just I wanted to just kind of put that out there that like I'm not willing to play the profitability of infertility game. And so we're going to the University of Washington. We'll see what happens. I don't know. And we'll see how the fact finding goes. I'll keep you posted. But I would love to know if anyone else has experience with IVF because it is a really interesting thing to me. And we're actually on Wednesday's episode going to be talking even more about IVF um, with a woman who went through it herself um, and her situation as well. So stay tuned for that because she has a great story. And I, and I, and um, I love the story. Well, I can't, I'm just going to leave you with a teaser. She has a really great story and I'll leave it at that. Um, Okay, so how this all pertains to today's episode, there's a lot of stuff going on and we're doing this fact finding for our IVF and I'm trying to do meditation because I'm told that maybe I'm a little high strung and maybe I'm a little wound up and maybe I should try to relax a little. And that is a big struggle for me. And the more things I have on my plate, the tighter I get wound and the more high strung I become. And it's hard on my family. It's hard on my sleep habits. Um, but I also think that it's going to be really bad for if we decide to pursue IVF, I don't want to spend all this money and not have it work because my body is just like rejecting anything new. Um, so I've been trying to get back to my meditation practice. And you've all heard me say, if you've listened to any episodes, I refer to this a lot, that I'm a really bad meditator. And it's been something I've been working on since the new year. So I started practicing, trying to pr meditate. I think it actually I started before the new year. Um, I don't know, maybe between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, but it is something I've been kind of tracking on a weekly basis. Like how many days do I meditate? And my goal is like Monday through Friday. First thing when I get up, I get up, meditate for 10 minutes and then do my workout. And I've done really well for a few weeks here and then I'll take a few weeks off and then I get back into it. I'll admit upfront, the main reason I have not been super consistent is because I don't feel really immediate results. Now I'm going to tell you what I do feel because I, I, I do feel an immediate result within the 10 minutes. I don't feel much of a result beyond the 10 minutes, which makes it harder for me to make it a commitment. That said, I've been in the fitness industry for 13 years, and I know that there's not an immediate reaction and an immediate result in fitness. So I don't understand why I'm expecting one from something like meditation, because meditation is like retraining your brain. Whereas, you know, with fitness, you're retraining your body and your muscles and your heart. So it totally makes sense that it would take some time and some practice to retrain your brain. So I need to give myself a little grace with that. I've not done a good job with that. I tend to get frustrated. And I tend to also, when I'm in the middle of meditating, I tend to just make lists of things to do, which is not what you're supposed to do. Like meditation is not quiet time to make to-do lists, which is what I do. I like I could just rename meditation and just rename it quiet time to, to make a to-do list because that's how I tend to manage that time. And it's funny when I first started doing it, that was like my go-to where I was like, oh, this is great. This is like 10 extra minutes every day that I can like plan out my day. But that is not the point. That's like the opposite of the point. It's supposed to be 10 minutes a day where you don't focus on anything related to like task orientation or what you're going to do for the day or a to-do list or anything like that. 
So that's a huge challenge for me because it means that for 10 minutes I have to turn everything off. And my brain is conditioned to like, if I'm on and I'm awake, then it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? Where are we going? And so I've been trying to shut my brain down for that 10 minutes and it's so hard. So I've mentioned before, I use the Headspace app, which is a great app. The guy's voice, oh, it's like butter for your brain. I love it. It just makes you go super zen super quickly. So I don't have a problem relaxing when I'm in meditation. I do quickly relax. I still, my head doesn't quiet down all the way, but I do relax pretty quickly. And I do find that like breathing helps and counting my breaths helps and things like that. And some of the audio that comes with the Headspace app definitely helps. It's very, it can be very thought provoking. And when you work through the Headspace app, I'm not a commercial for the Headspace app. I swear I'm not endorsing it or this is not a paid endorsement. Um, But when you work through the free content that they have on the app, you can buy different tracks. And so I'm currently doing the anxiety track. I've done part of the focus track and then I'm currently doing the anxiety track, which is really interesting because he talks about your relationship with anxiety and which is fascinating and very much applies to me in terms of what he talks about. So I've been really enjoying that. So I do find that when I sit down and meditate for 10 minutes, it is an enjoyable 10 minutes. And it's funny because when you ask people to exercise for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, people are like begrudging about it because they're like, oh, it's like 20 minutes of pain. I don't want to do it. So the thing about meditation is like if you give yourself 10 minutes to meditate, it's just 10 minutes to sit down and be quiet and chill out. Like, doesn't that sound so nice? So it's funny, but that can be such a challenge and it can be like so low on one's list of priorities because it sounds really heavenly, right? Like most of the time when you think about like any minute in your day, wouldn't it just be nice at any given moment to be like, hold on, I'm just going to push pause for 10 minutes and chill out. We never get to do that. And so I love the idea of that. I just have a very hard time implementing it, which is why I have to do it first thing in the morning because once my day gets started, and I've actually many mornings, I'll tell myself like, I'm going to do this again today after lunch. I never have gone back and done it after lunch. <laughs> so it's not that I don't see it as a, a great positive thing to do after lunch. I just don't ever get to it. And I don't even think about it. One of the things they've mentioned recently, the guy on the podcast, um, I think his name is Andy. I'm totally spacing on his name, but I think it's Andy. And I'll make sure I link up to the pod, to the um to the Headspace app in the show notes. But one of the things Andy talks about in the app is um, being in the anxiety track. He talks about being conscious of uh, being in the moment throughout the day. And so being conscious of like when you sit up, notice like, oh, I, or when you sit down, be conscious of, oh, I just sat down. And when you stand up, be conscious of, oh, I just stood up. So noticing the difference between sitting up and uh, sitting down and standing up throughout the day. And I mentioned this a couple episodes ago. He told me to in the, the part of the track where I'm at, he said to do this. And I'm like many days in now and I still not one single time have I noticed myself standing up or sitting down. And even yesterday I got done and I was like, okay, I'm going to notice myself standing up. As soon as I turn this app off and stand up, I'm going to notice myself standing up, which is literally like a split second between the two things. And I didn't notice. Like 20 minutes later, I was like, damn it. I didn't notice myself standing up. Like, how is it that my brain is so conditioned to always be moving forward and always be moving on to the next thing that I couldn't even in that split second between stopping the app and standing up, I couldn't even remember to pay attention to that. And I don't think I'm alone in that, which is why I want to, why I want to draw so much attention to why I suck at meditating is because I don't think I'm alone in really struggling with this and really struggling with my own awareness of myself in time and space and my brain in time and space. So it's definitely a process. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. 
And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So you might say, like, if it's so hard, why would I keep doing it? Well, the same reason I would say if exercise is so hard, you should still keep doing it. Like that, there's no reason to not exercise. We know there is so much science backing why exercise is good for you and why you should do it every day or, you know, five or six days a week, whether it's something super hardcore or something super chill, going for a walk, doing yoga, whatever. Like movement is so important. So if there's all this science to support it, even though it's uncomfortable, you should still do it. And that's kind of how I'm looking at the meditation thing. So I know there's so much science, so much science supporting meditation. And there's so many reasons why it could be beneficial, especially for someone with a personality like me that I'm not willing to give it up. I'm not willing to say like, yeah, I suck at that. So I'm not going to do it anymore. That said, having just done my episode on being a quitter, I do. There's a part of me that's like, man, if I could just quit meditation, but I feel like I need to give it more of a shot. I feel like there's enough benefits to be had that I need to keep pushing through. So I'm going to keep going for a few more months. I don't know that I'll do it forever, but I'm going to keep going. So I'm kind of determined to like find some level of enlightenment. I mean, I think it'll be probably like the lamest, lowest level of enlightenment ever, but I'm, I'm aiming for it. I'm, I'm aiming as low as I can on the enlightenment scale, hoping that I just find like a fraction of it. I'd be totally happy with that. I don't need to find full enlightenment. I don't need to like be sitting in white glowing light or anything. So I wanted to give you guys some information today on the benefits of meditation, because I think this is something that, you know, it's easy to prioritize. We prioritize things like exercise. Let's be honest because we're vain. Okay. We don't like no one like raise your hand right now. If you're like, I'm going to go for a run today. Cause I just really want to make sure I'm heart healthy. No one does that in for the, I mean, I'm not saying no one does that. I feel like there's people who have had heart attacks that do that. There's people that have had major health crises, crises that will say like, I'm going to do this today for my health. 99% of us probably exercise because we want to look good. So the thing with meditation is that we're not met. There's not like a return on it that is a vain return. It's not like, oh, it's going to make me look good. It's not going to like, I'm not going to have like, look like I just had a facial or look like I've been working out for six months or look like I lost 10 pounds or like, there's nothing that will make me glow more. But the long-term benefit is that if you can reduce your stress and anxiety, 
you probably won't carry as much belly fat. If you can reduce stress and anxiety, you probably won't be prone to stress hormone weight gain. If you can reduce anxiety, you probably will have more glowing skin because you'll be sleeping better. If you can reduce anxiety and be sleeping better, then you'll actually get better sleep, longer sleep, and that actually improves your life expectancy. And it also improves all sorts of chronic health conditions because people who sleep poorly, like myself, we are actually at risk for all sorts of different health conditions. So there's so many reasons to be meditating. And some of those can get back to those vain places. So I'm not saying like if you meditate, you're going to lose 30 pounds, but it can play into the things that help you lose 30 pounds. So don't lose sight of like, if you want to make this a vain thing, let's make it a vain thing. But on top of that, there's a lot of other research. And so I actually found this really cool infographic and I'm going to make sure I post it to the show notes. And it's from um, Emma. I'm going to totally butcher her last name, I think, but a doctor, Emma Seppala. Um, and it's the 10 science-based reasons to start meditating today. And she has this great infographic on there. And it talks about it, how meditation impacts you in different ways. So it impacts your brain by increasing the thickness of uh, your core, your cortical thickness. And that is especially relevant to your, um, the areas of introspection and attention. So you're able, your ability to be attentive and focus. And it also increases gray matter, which can impact memory and thought. It increases brain volume, specifically in the areas for emotion regulation, positive emotion, and self-control. So this is why people who meditate are supposedly more zen, right? Because they have better emotion regulation and more positive emotions and better self-control. Still waiting for that to happen to me because I'm telling you when the dog poops all over the place, I don't feel like I have really positive emotion regulation. <laughs> um, it also can benefit you in terms of, um, in terms of boosting different, um, well, let me see, let's start with your heart. So it can help you be more resilient. It can help you impact your social connections. It can improve your empathy and compassion. And so what can happen when you go into that more Zen space and you get to that more chill, that place, it just goes, it just makes sense that you are going to be able to be more relaxed in your in your um, connections with people and in your relationships with people, which is going to allow you to be more reasonable in your interactions with other people. So it might be that a strong relationship or a positive relationship, you can take it to a whole nother level, but it might be a relationship that's really challenging for you that you can turn that around, make it a more beneficial relationship or decide that this relationship is not worth your time. And like episode 28, I believe it was, you can learn to be a quitter and like kind of learn to delineate, like, where should I walk away? Where should I try to create peace? And then also like maybe meditation can help you create that peace. It also can help with focus. So it can increase your memory and improve your attention. Super beneficial in terms of your health and happiness. It increases your positive emotions. Like we said, it can increase your life satisfaction. It can boost immune function. If you're more Zen and you sleep better, immune, immune function goes way up. This is something I struggle with because my immunity has been really down the last couple of years since I had Vinny. And I really think it's because I don't sleep well. Like I've never slept well, but I feel like it's gotten worse in the last few years. And I think that's really impacted my immunity. It can also decrease pain and inflammation in the body. So big impact on your health. Socially, it can increase your social connections and reduce loneliness. The great thing that I do notice about meditation is if you can alleviate anxiety for that 10 minutes, alleviating, alleviating anxiety can really help you manage depression and things that like really bring you down because it helps you kind of step out of them for a minute. And so when you can step out of depression and step out of anxiety, and I'm not a mental health expert, I'm not a doctor. Like if you have a significant mental health issue, definitely talk to a doctor about that. 
But just for like those, you know, everyone has those kind of ebbs and flows with little areas of anxiety and depression in different parts of their life or different times of their life. And if you can step out of that for a few minutes a day, it will totally benefit you throughout the rest of the day so that you can come from a more reasonable place when you do get back to that place, when you do find like, oh, I'm feeling really bummed out about this or I'm feeling, and it's very similar to exercise, like feeling super bummed out about something or super anxious about something. When you step out of that for a minute and exercise for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, you have a very often have a very different perspective once you get those stress hormones working. And once you get your endorphins releasing, and once you get all those things working together, then you can come back and be like, actually, this thing that I thought was the end of the world is not really the end of the world. And that is definitely the same benefit that meditation can have. And so for those of you that struggle with exercise, maybe getting in meditation can help you with some of those things. And maybe it will actually give you a better, a better basis for incorporating daily exercise. The other thing is that you can incorporate meditation into your exercise. And so you can do like walking meditation. It doesn't have to be like sitting cross-legged in silence. That's definitely, it can be beneficial to have silent meditation or guided meditation, but it can also be walking in silence or walking with a meditation app or walking with like calming music. There's a lot of different ways to meditate. So you don't have to think about it only in a way that might seem uncomfortable to you. Um, so I've definitely been kind of playing with different ways to make it work for me so that it's something that I feel like I can do long-term. So don't be afraid to play with that a little bit, especially if you have like a little kid, if you, a little baby or a little one, you can put in a stroller and go for a walk on a sunny day and turn on something really calming where you can like really kind of zone out to it. I know there's like limits to how much a child strapped to you or in a stroller will let you zone out, but that can be beneficial. It can also increase your wisdom. So what can happen again, it's very much like when you step back from those things that maybe are causing depression or anxiety, when you step back from something, your perspective shifts. So whether you step back during exercise or you step back during meditation, that's going to shift your perspective. And it's going to give you some time and some space to come to a different conclusion and hopefully a better conclusion or a more positive conclusion. And in all that, that kind of just goes to show how this can, it can kind of help you, you know, like I said, with the stress, anxiety, and depression management, that can have a huge impact on your life. So I'm going to make sure I post this info infographic. If you have been trying to figure out a way to increase positivity in your life or decrease stress or decrease anxiety or increase connection or increase focus, if you could take 10 minutes to meditate in the morning, what would that mean to you? And I do this, I'm telling you, like, I don't, I'm barely awake when I meditate, which is maybe why it is calming to me, but I put on my workout clothes and then, and you're not supposed to climb in bed to do this. So I either do it on my couch or I climb into our guest bed if I'm cold. <laughs> and I don't do it in my bed because I feel like I would just lay down and go back to sleep. But I come into our guest bed or I go to one of our, uh, to our basement couch and just turn on the app right after I put on my workout clothes. So it's literally probably within like five to seven minutes of me getting out of bed. I'm meditating. So I'm still in kind of a drowsy state, but that does allow me to like totally breathe freely and totally let go of anything. I'm not worrying about anything. I'm not I'm trying very hard to not create my to-do list and all those kinds of things, which does create the space for me to just sit and just be. And then I've also been working really hard on creating visuals for myself because what I find is that I want to make these lists all the time in my head. So I'm trying to create visuals of like things that allow me to relax. And so one of them is um, running water is a good visual for me. Another one that I've started using is like when you used to have TV snow. I don't think we have with, with TVs being everything being so digital. We don't really have this, but it used to be like, if your cable would go out, you would get that fuzzy snow on your screen, you know, that made that awful noise. And so I kind of imagine that it's like that white noise, fuzzy, obnoxious noise. And then that snow and picturing that really helps me like not focus on anything else. And so that's been really helpful for me. 
So if you have any tricks or tips for meditation, let me know. I definitely want to know. And I'm going to try to get a meditation specialist on here for an interview because I think that would be so helpful. And I have like a million questions that I could ask about how I could be a more Zen meditator. And I would love to know if you're someone who meditates or you feel like you have it all locked in, like, let me know. I would love to interview you and you could show us all the way. So as always, if this episode has been helpful to you, please feel free to share it. If you know other people who've been trying to incorporate meditation, let them know. Also, if you have IVF stories, send them to me. If you have, what was the other thing I asked for? No, I don't remember. There was a third thing. So IVF stories. I don't know. If you want to talk to me about um, the big business of infertility, it totally pisses me off. If you want to talk to me about that, feel free to reach out and connect. So you can contact me at info at shamelessmom.com. You can also find us at shamelessmom.com to see all of our back episodes. And if this episode has been meaningful to you, please hop over and give us a five-star review on iTunes. And you can do that at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. So when you go over and leave that review, you can also subscribe. And that's again at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. You can subscribe there and then you'll get all of our episodes. As soon as they are released, they'll be downloaded to your device so you can access them immediately. And until next time, have a fantastic day and make sure no matter what you do, you do it shamelessly. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.